tomatoes on toast for breakfast, eggplant fries, and a recipe posted on a public wall. This week, we're in Cordoba, Spain. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. This is Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies at DestinationEatDrink.com. This is where we explore the great cuisine of the world, and this week we're in Cordoba, Spain. But before we get to the land of chorizo and patatas bravas, could you do me a favor, foodie travelers? Could you contribute to the Destination Eat Drink cause? We don't run ads on the podcast or on the website, but it costs money to put out the show and keep the website going. Just a few dollars from you would really help. Just go to DestinationEatDrink.com, click on the Contribute button, and thank you, thank you very much. My guest this week is author and YouTuber Eunice Reyes. Eunice was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about Valencia, Spain, so I thought we'd have her back for more vegan foodie fun in Spain. Eunice's book, Ultimate Vegan Travel Guide to Spain, is out now. You can get it at ratedvfood.com slash ebook. It's a great resource for anyone traveling to Spain who wants to try vegan food and You don't have to be a vegan to love her book. I mean, good food is good food, right? Eunice is also the host and creator of the YouTube channel Rated V for Vegan. On it, she tries vegan food from all over the world, including Spain, of course, but lots of other places too. I love going down the rabbit hole with Eunice when she's got new videos out. This time, Eunice and I talk about Cordoba and the Alley of Flowers, and a combo mosque church. We also talk great vegan food like pan con tomato, salmorejo, and eggplant fries. Then we side trip from Barcelona with Eunice to Tarragona in Catalonia for the Roman ruins and vegan fondue. Okay, this is making me hungry, so let's eat. Destination, eat, drink. Eunice Reyes, welcome back to Destination Eat Drink. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks for being on the show a second time. Thank you. I'm excited to be back. Last time we had you on, we we talked about so many great things. We talked about your background. You have a really interesting uh, backstory. So um, I'll have a link to the first episode that uh, we talked with you so folks can go back and listen to that. I'd encourage folks, go back and listen to that first episode. It was really entertaining and interesting. And we talked a lot about the Valencia region of Spain. But you've written this book, Ultimate Vegan Travel to Spain, Um, which is out now. And of course, you cover all of Spain, not just Valencia. So I thought maybe today we could talk about a couple other uh, areas, a couple other cities in Spain that are featured in your book and are also featured on your YouTube channel. How's that sound? Yes, I'd love to. Let's start in uh, Andalusia and Cordoba. For folks who aren't familiar, Tell them a little bit about Cordoba. Where is it and what makes Cordoba an interesting place to visit? Okay, so Cordoba, yeah, it's a smaller city. It's about two and a half hours, three hours south of Madrid. It's very inland, so it's one of the hottest cities in the summer. It's known for the heat. Uh, 
And the closest way to get there, there's no airport to get there. So the closest way would be to drive from Madrid or to fly to Malaga, which is a coastal city. And you drive two hours from there, um, up north from Malaga. Um, but so, but the thing, Cordoba is known also for having a lot of Arabic influence as well. So like Cordoba and Granada have that like real Arabic influence. You can like see it more, like you kind of see it everywhere in Spain, but you can see, it, I think, even more in those cities. And um, so one of like the main attractions in Cordoba is the mosque, this old cathedral, mosque slash cathedral, which is very interesting because it was a mosque. And then during the Roman um, acquisition, when they took over from the Moors, they, it turned into the, obviously because the Catholicism was prevalent, it turned into a cathedral. And then for a while it was, it, they, it was used for both. And now it's just a cathedral or something. Obviously now it's like you go in there and you see like the, arches like the arabic uh architecture inside but then you also walk through the other half and it's like a traditional cathedral also right and so it's interesting how like the how history and everything is combined into that it is definitely a smaller city like you only need if you only want to see it surface level you could see it all in a day but if you want to kind of immerse yourself in it a couple days would be really good too it's fascinating because you see this on the iberian peninsula a lot in spain and in portugal these um uh, this Moorish influence, and you'll see exactly what you just described in Cordoba, which is a place that was first a, first a church, then a mosque, then a church again. And in a lot of cases, they're built on top of each other. I'm thinking of one um, that's a couple miles from our house, and they're just on top of each other. But in this case, you can actually see both architectures side by side, which makes it extra fascinating, I think. Yeah, it was just, and it's it's just beautiful. That like everything in there is just so intricate, and like the, the you know just the way that I was like, wow, how long did it take, did it take them to do this? Like, it's like well, one other thing I wanted to like mention too is like how I was mentioning how Cordoba is known for the heat, right? Um, so there's a traditional dish that has that's sprung out of the Cordoba region, and that is a dish called San Morejo. And it's often confused a lot with gazpacho. Like it looks similar, but it's it's a thicker consistency than gazpacho. Gazpacho is like a tomato, a cold tomato soup. Um, but salmorejo was specifically made because of those hot summer days. Like they're the last thing you want to do is eat something hot, right? Yeah, yeah. And so they created this dish called salmorejo, and there's even a street called like salmorejo alley or whatever, and the recipe is on the wall. Like, if you want to learn how to make this yourself, you can actually go to the street. And I took a picture of it because I was like, because it's delicious. Like, I, I first I thought it was weird because I was like, cold tomato puree. Like, that sounds gross, right, from a Westernized perspective. But then you right. try it, you're like, this is delicious. Um, so what it is, it's, it's a tomato puree with a uh, special bread that they have. Um, and they blend it all up to, to with like garlic and olive oil. And so it's pretty thick and they dip it. And traditionally they do serve it to you. The, the tradition that the, the salmorejo recipe is vegan. It's hundred percent vegan. What makes it not vegan is oftentimes it's served with like um, bacon and an egg on top and whatever. Right. So if you ever go to a restaurant, you just have to make sure to ask that they don't include that on the topping. But salmorejo itself is just tomatoes, bread, olive oil, garlic, and salt. And you dip bread, you drip more bread into it. <laughs> and it's, or you put it on top of your Spanish tortilla, which is like a potato omelet. Um, 
and you know, carbs on carbs. Who doesn't love that? <laughs> sure. So I, I love the fact that the recipe is printed on the wall. You know, it's like it's the original uh, open source code. You know, we're going to we are going to put this up here. Everyone's going to see it. There's no way that we are going to lose this part of our culture because it's on the wall and you can't miss it. If I'm in Cordoba, Eunice, where would you tell me to go to? It sounds like it's ubiquitous, this Salmorejo. Where would you tell me to go to uh, to get some of this? Yes. So uh, the place I really enjoyed going to was called Sociedad Plateros de Santa Maria. So it's a really long name, but um, the well, I'll give you the link too, so you can link it down. But the decor was ac- absolutely beautiful. It's very traditional, like Cordoba, like Cordoba style, which is a lot of flowers. Another popular tourist attraction is the Alley of Flowers. And because they have these cute little blue, like little canisters and flowers all over like walls, especially they have a lot of white uh, painted walls over there because of the heat, right? Um, and so then you see like a lot of houses decorated with flowers and the alley. So like the patio of this restaurant has tons of flowers. Uh, the inside is also decorated nicely, but like the, the patio is what I really enjoyed. Um, and the owner was so nice. He actually let me feature him. I made it when I made the video and that's what surprised me that he was just so open to giving me the recipe. And I was like, Oh, really? You don't care that if I, if I share the recipe? He's like, Oh, no, no. He's like, you can get on a wall at this alley. <laughs> so he like didn't care. And I was like, Oh, okay. It's already public information. Um, right, right. What I appreciated about his restaurant though is that they also made their own gluten free bread to provide a gluten-free salmorejo option because people were asking that. So they they were very open to like dietary restrictions. So they're like, oh, we want everybody to enjoy this food. So if you're gluten-free, you can have it. If you're vegan, you can have it, you know, et cetera. I think of another dish that's very popular in Spain. When you talk about combining bread and tomato um, is the uh, pan con tomate, which I think you had in Cordoba as well which is a lot of times served for breakfast. So you grate the tomato so it's very fine, uh, liquidy, almost like a, like a paste, a, a spread almost. And then you have that on toasted bread. And I think, you know, Americans might think uh, t- tomatoes on toast for breakfast, that sounds a little bit weird, but I've had it in Spain. It's, it's absolutely divine. Tell me about your experience, Eunice. So yeah, coming from, you know, the US or just from a Latin American background, a lot of, I'll be honest, a lot of the cuisine from Spain seems so simple to me. I was like, what? I was like, they're just going to eat pan, pan con tomate, like bread with tomato on top and that's it. Like, I was like, it's just so simple. But it's, it was right. funny because another friend of mine that lived there, he came back. When he came back, he was telling me, he's like, this, this food grew on me. He's like, I need it all the time. And then when I went back and lived, I was like, I understand now. <laughs> Because <laughs> it just seems so simple, but it's so good. There's just something about the freshly grated tomato with their delicious olive oil, right? So, like, you get your toasted bread, piece of toasted bread, and their bread. Their bread is just so good. Like, you can find fresh, like, baked bread everywhere. Like, on every corner, there's some bakery that's based, like, there's bakeries everywhere. There's bread, like, you know, uh, that, so if you love carbs and sweets and bakeries, like, this is, you'll love Spain. <laughs> Um, but it's just like the toasted bread with olive oil and then you add your, the grated tomato and then salt. And it's, it's just, it's simple, but it's so refreshing. It tastes so good. And like, I, when I brought it here for my family to try, like my brothers were like, yeah, this is, this is really good. I like this. 
<laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, and it's, you wouldn't think it's something like it's nothing complex, but it's just something that's comforting. It tastes good. It's, it's kind of like, you know how you could compare it. It's almost like bruschetta, you know? People love that kind of, the only difference is interstitial basil on top, but like you can kind of compare it to that. But you know what? It is simple, but when you've got perfection, why mess with it, you know? <laughs> um, another dish you tried there is fried eggplant. I love it. Eggplant's like one of my all-time favorite veggies. And um, you had like eggplant fries, which I first had, gosh, probably 20 years ago in uh, when we were living in Rhode Island. There was this little place on the river that made, um, and I used to go there just to get the eggplant fries. I love eggplant fries. But the one that I saw you have looked like it took it to the next level. Uh, tell me about your uh, eggplant fries that you had in Cordoba. Yes. And so here, this is an example of what I mean of like, you can't just find this stuff on Google. Like if you typed in vegan Cordoba, I imagine other res- other restaurants showed up. Never did I think anything about these eggplant fries, right? I didn't even know it was a traditional dish. It wasn't until my, I was talking to my Airbnb host, which I left that link to the Airbnb host specifically. She's in my book. She was amazing. Her name was Maria Jose. She was so warm and comforting. She has a beautiful terrace. That's She served me the pan con tomate for breakfast. Like breakfast is included. You see a nice view on her terrace of the city. It was really nice. But she oh, was like, awesome. yeah, she was just so like warm. And when I told her that I was vegan, she was like, oh my gosh. So she was the one that recommended me a lot of restaurants. And she was like, oh, a dish you have to try is this eggplant fries. It's, you know, something traditional that we hear you find in a lot of restaurants and bars here. And, um, the way it is, it's, they're, they're like eggplant sticks, right? And they cut them up, they batter them, they fry them, and they put a honey on it, but it's not um, traditional honey. Like, because I know a lot of vegans don't like to eat honey. It's actually a honey or like a syrup made out of um, sugar cane, like the raw sugar cane. So, you know, it's vegan friendly and it's a dish that's traditional to Spain, right? Which is nice because then you're, you're eating something that's part of their culture right but you're also eating something that's you know in your dietary lifestyle right so that was fun so they drizzle like the eggplant with this um syrup and it just it tastes really because it's like crispy right and it's savory has a little bit of that sweetness and it, it was actually really good it doesn't taste as sweet as you would think it would like you would think oh they're putting a bunch of sugar on top that's going to be weird but it's, yeah, it's not yeah. it's like the perfect just amount of touch of of sweetness sounds awesome you know, one thing I noticed living here on the Iberian Peninsula in Portugal and in Spain is um, the, uh, you know, you talked about the Arabic, the Moorish influence on Cordoba, the place that's a mosque and a, was a mosque and is now a cathedral. Um, one thing I talk about a lot on this show is that, you know, food is culture and it's culture in a modern way. Like you go and you look at an ancient church and you're like, wow, that's been there for 500 years. That's been there for a thousand, whatever it is. But with food, it's, it's modern. It can be traditional, but it's happening right now. And one of the things that I love about being here in Portugal is that you'll see these influences. You will see Moroccan food. You'll see Algerian food. You'll see cuisine from Mozambique, places like this, North, all kinds of North African food. Tell me about a little bit about some of the food that you had in Cordoba that, um, you know, goes along with this idea that I'm talking about, Eunice. Oh, yeah. So again, uh, one of my favorite things from Cordoba was that you could see that Arabic influence. And like you're saying, like, that cuisine is very like, 
important to their culture and the history, right? Like, I feel like the next city that you would see a lot of Arabic cuisine is um, in Granada. But in Cordoba, I was like, they, they have a lot of really good Moroccan restaurants. And everything's like halal. And I loved about this restaurant. I went to Casa Cordoba. They didn't serve alcohol in there because they wanted it, everybody to just enjoy the food, you know, and it also goes into what their beliefs are. And um, so you can get a lot of traditional like Moroccan or North African dishes um, or Arabic dishes. It's like, you know, uh, like tagines and couscous and, you know, uh, just it's delicious food that you you can get in, you know, the States as well. But over there, you kind of see it more like just way more prevalent. So it's like you definitely got to enjoy their cuisine when you're there because it's just like it's just more of it there. They're very close to home, you know, so it's it's, it's really okay. great to experience that. It strikes me, Eunice, that we're, we're talking about Cordoba and we've talked about um, tomato dishes and salmorejo and eggplant fries, and now Moroccan food. And I'm like, you don't, sometimes you don't spend a lot of time. You may spend 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. How do you put away all this food, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> oh my gosh. I am an experienced food crawler at this point. Um, I, know, I get that question a lot, actually. It's also in Cordoba, actually, I did spend two days there because I knew I needed I knew there was a certain amount of food that I wanted to try, um, but there it, it helps when I ha when you have a friend with you. So I, at the, during this trip, I did have a friend with me. She was helping me film, and so obviously we would share everything. Um, and the other like, secret too is to order maybe a small dish at one place that I was just like one dish that you just want to try, and uh, or you. Whatever you order, you eat half of it and take the rest with you home, so you can keep eating and trying other places. Because <laughs> yeah, it's 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 you have to be very strategic. Oh my gosh! But yeah, like usually if you're traveling with someone, I highly encourage food crawling. Like that's just the best way to do it, right? Especially if you're going to be in somewhere for just 24 hours, you kind of want to like just explore as much as you can. I think this is great advice because, of course, we're in Spain now, and, of, of course, you can order the tapas size, which is the, the small size, in a lot of places. But I encourage this all over the world, and um, I've, I've, I've written about this on my website, and I call it the grazing method because, I, you know, it's not—if you're outside of Spain, it's not really tapas. But what I always say is instead of ordering a full plate, just go into a place in North—let's say in North America or you're outside of Spain— Order the appetizer. Order one appetizer and share it with a friend and maybe get a couple glasses of wine and then go to another place. And another, and that way you can, in one night, you can sample three or four different, even five different places if you've got a buddy to uh, to share that with. And it makes for such a more rich experience in, in my, by my perspective. Oh, for sure. And it's like every once in a while, too, you'll get the server that kind of looks at you weird being like, you're only going to order that. And you're like, and then, the, you know, and it's okay to tell like, oh, we we're actually checking out like 10 restaurants today. <laughs> so then, the, <laughs> then they're like, oh, okay, they totally understand, right? So it's like, don't feel weird. Like, okay, you know, and then they get it's even more fun because then they start asking, oh, where else have you gone? Or they start recommending you places where to go, right? And so. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of fun and like, yeah, get appetizers or like if you really want to try an entree, share the entree, like share, share, share. I would say the hardest one, the hardest, uh, or what is it? The hardest meal when you're, sh when you're food crawling is always the first one because you're usually starving. 
and you want to yeah. eat everything. So the first place you go is always the hardest because you're like, no, I just want to eat. But yeah. Push away from the table and uh, <laughs> and go to the next place and the next place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Go to as many places as you can. The, the other piece of advice I give, and this is more North America than, than some other places is, um, you know, if, if you feel funny about just going in and ordering an appetizer, go to the bar. You know, because because then you're not you're not sitting down at a table, and you know, in North America, you can get uh, in a tip based economy, you can get weird looks if you're ordering a, a five or seven dollar appetizer and and going out the door. Let's move to Catalonia, but not to Barcelona. Let's go to a town called Tarragona. Um, tell me about this town because I was not familiar with it until I watched your YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. So Tarragona is, again, a, a smaller city. You can probably see, you can see it all in a day. Um, but it's just like an hour and a half away on the high-speed train from Barcelona. Uh, was it maybe even an hour? I wouldn't even say it's an hour and a half. But it's very close to Barcelona. Um, and it's definitely worth the trip. Again, it has a lot of Roman influence. There's tons of Roman ruins. I think that's why it's so popular. Uh, there's a lot of history there. So one of the, the amphitheater, the... I think there was like a, the Circa Romana is one of the, the popular places. They have the, if you have an aqueduct bridge, that's beautiful. It's like a, like maybe a 20 minute drive outside of the city center. So you have a car, but you can get there on bus. Cause I took the bus to get there. <laughs> it, it, the aqueduct is just so cool to see. It's like this bridge. It's just like that you walk over and it, the architecture is just really cool. And it's this beautiful park. Right. And so, um, Again, it's just like a, a town built around all this old history and architecture. And it's on the, you know, the Mediterranean. You can see the Mediterranean too. The balcony that sees over it is really cool. And it, it's a cute, like a lot of Spanish cities. The town is really cute. Everything's picturesque, right? Um, and again, to my surprise, there was vegan food there. And not just like your typical vegan food that you find at a lot of places, but I found someone there that makes vegan fondue. I wanted to ask you about this because I'm I'm obsessed right now with vegan cheese. And it, it's one thing that um, I'm having difficulty finding in, uh, in Portugal. But when we were back in the U.S. in the spring, we went to this place in Austin, Texas that basically makes their own vegan cheese. And they have it displayed in a deli case just like regular cheese. And they have everything from soft queso frescoes all the way up to aged cheddars and blue cheeses and everything under the sun. And I tried a bunch of them. I was like, oh, this yeah. is amazing. <laughs> rebel, oh, yeah, rebel, cheese. rebel, rebel cheese in Austin. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. I see their Instagram all the time and it's just like, it looks so good. I can't wait. I want to go text so <laughs> it's, it's as good as, it's as good as advertised. It's as good as the pictures. Cause I've, I've been there and I was like blown away. I was like, this place is amazing. So uh, we'll, we'll put, I've, I've talked about <laughs> rebel cheese before because I'm obsessed with them, but I'll put a link to them in the uh, show notes along with all the places that you're talking about, but tell me about vegan fondue in Tarragona, please. Yes. Yeah, so the restaurant is called Crea. And she was actually the one uh, that also mentioned like uh, a kind of what you, the statement that you said at the beginning of the last episode, like during her interview, she doesn't advertise anything about like that the restaurant's vegan on the front because she's saying like, you know, why, 
there's no other restaurants that advertise like, oh, we only serve meat or something. You know what I mean? So like, why do I need to say that my restaurant's vegan? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and she didn't mean it in like a some rebellious way at all. She was just making it from like more of a standpoint, like, you know, you don't really think I see it the reverse way. So it's like, it's something that I think is really cool because then sometimes a lot of, there's a lot of stigma too. I feel like with the word vegan, a lot of people nowadays, they think vegan, oh, it's not going to taste good. Yeah. Sometimes they won't try things just because they see the word vegan. It's like, but, but just give it a try. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I think that's another yeah. reason a lot of companies nowadays don't like to use the word vegan. They like to use plant-based or dairy-free or something. You know what I mean? Uh, so she makes her own vegan cheese, vegan fondue in-house. The base is cashews and she even made her own um, charcuterie board, like meats as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can have a little bit of both in the, oh my gosh. Like the vegan fondue was so good. Like it was, it's just like, and it was funny because like you said, I don't really, I hadn't seen that anywhere, even in the bigger cities. Like I would expect something like that at one of the bigger cities, right? In Spain or even the U.S. I haven't really seen any places that do that here. And so for me to find it in this small town of Tarragona, I was like, what? This is amazing. Yeah. I would suggest uh, if you're a true vegan foodie, go to Tarragona just to have this vegan fondue because it's an experience. Like she serves it with apples or you could have it with bread or with the meats, you know? And so it's just, and it's, it's again, a really cute, like little small, like restaurant. And she has an amazing pesto that she makes herself as well uh, that you can have for toast on breakfast as well. So I think she also makes her own hazelnut milk. I, I think I might have to go to Spain just for vegan fondue. I mean, it just sounds so awesome. Um, an, another dish is uh, chorizo con papas. Uh, obviously, chorizo is not normally vegan. Uh, how, how did you have a vegan version of that? Yeah, so that's another great thing that I've noticed is a lot of Spanish restaurants, again, like, just because you're going vegan or plant-based does not mean you need to give up any of the foods that you grew up with, right? Or any foods that are, have, are part of your culture. I'm a strong believer in that, like, don't give up anything that you grew up eating. Just be, find, do a little research, get a little creative, and remake those dishes, but with plant-based ingredients. And so in Spain, a lot of times, a lot of these like cool restaurants will make vegan chorizo. Vegan chorizo is found at a lot of restaurants or you can buy it at stores. Um, this chorizo con papa is a other like, you know, dish, sta a staple that people like to eat there. And because the potato, the potato is one of the rules, the rulers of the cuisine, right? Sure. <laughs> like bravas, oh my gosh, like you're going to see bravas <laughs> everywhere. This um, El Vergo, was the uh, restaurant in Tarragona that had this dish. And they also offered a menu del día, which is a, one thing that is really cool in Spain that they offer. It's kind of like a mid, an afternoon prefix menu. And it's a, it's a steal most of the time. Like you'll get a coffee, an appetizer, an entree and dessert, and it'll be like 12 euros. Or you upgrade, wow. you know, for another thing and it'll be like 14 euros. You know what I mean? And right, I'm just like, right, right. this is amazing. This is great. Like, it's usually only offered in the afternoon. So I always tell people, don't get that confused with the menu because el menu is like, that's that, that special uh, menu that they offer during the day. And then la carta is the menu. If I were visiting Tarragona, Eunice, would you say, you said it's an hour, hour and a half from Barcelona on the high speed rail. Is this a day trip? Should I spend, should I stay overnight here? Spend a couple of days here? What's your recommendation? I personally would do it as a day trip. Like take the full day. It just depends on what you want to do. If you, again, it depends on your travel style. Like I stayed overnight because I wanted to, I had certain things I wanted to film, right? 
And, um, but after staying overnight, I felt like I was there way too long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could have totally covered all this ground, uh, in, what is it? In one day, if I had got, you know, you start really early. If you'd like, let's say you leave Barcelona at 7, 8 a.m., get there by nine, you can be there all the way till 9 p.m. and you would have seen everything, you know? Um, so it just depends on travel. So if you like a more chillax, relaxed kind of travel experience and just like really immerse yourself in going to different restaurants and everything, then you could stay one night. But I, yeah, it just depends on your travel style. Good advice. Thanks for that. Well, Eunice, it's been great talking to you about Spain and uh, eating vegan. And one, one, I just, the thing that I really like talking about with you is that vegan cuisine doesn't need to be in any way less than or in any way sacrificial. In other words, you're not going to be missing out by um, trying vegan food. And I think that's something that you emphasize both in your book and on your YouTube channel really, really well. So I want to thank you for being on the show today, but I also want to thank you for um, you know, being an advocate for vegan food as a real, creative, and delicious cuisine. Yes, thank you so much. I, that's really, like, really that was the goal of my channel. It's like I want to show how creative and exciting plant-based food is. It's not boring. It's not just salads. You know, like it's so tasty. And with the creativity you see around the world of how people are making vegan food now, it's like, you should try it. You know what I mean? Even if you're not vegan, like if you're just curious, just try it sometime. Like it, it might surprise you. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. Food is meant to be good and fun. And so it shouldn't be any different with plant-based cuisine. Okay, there you go. Eunice is so fun and charming and smart. I'll bet she could get the most hardcore carnivore to try that vegan fondue. Check out Eunice's book, Ultimate Vegan Travel Guide to Spain, and her YouTube channel, Rated V for Vegan. I've got links to both as well as the places Eunice and I talked about, including Rebel Cheese in Austin. All that's in the show notes. Get that at radiomisfits.com slash DED204. That'll put a bow on this show next week. Join me in my backyard of Lisbon, Portugal with Rob Rose from Raw Travel TV. And speaking of Lisbon, I just posted a story on DestinationEatDrink.com about a fantastic day trip from Lisbon. It's a town called Colarish, where they have the most unique wine region in all of Europe. How many vineyards do you know that grow on a beach? You can get that at DestinationEatDrink.com slash Colarish. That's C-O-L-A-R-E-S, or just go to DestinationEatDrink.com slash blog. And if you enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us with a couple dollars. You can help the show and website by going to DestinationEatDrink.com and clicking on the Contribute button. Thank you so very much. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who's perfecting a vegan Italian beef, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.